0: Hey there, free moms, and welcome to today's show. I read an article recently that brought a lot of new mom insecurities flooding back to me. I was one of the last of my group of friends to have a baby, and as helpful as their advice and wisdom was in so many aspects of pregnancy, I often found myself in the late-night company of Instagram Amazon, and Google, trying to decipher which gizmo, gadget, and must-have product I absolutely had to buy for the little human that I felt completely underprepared to welcome into our family. Now, I am a planner and a minimalist, and I'm also a gosh darn marketing professional. And even with those to-the-core personality traits and a career of experience, I still found myself drenched in the anxiety of not having the right stuff for my bub. Luckily, I was able to fight off most of my impulses, but it was so easy for me to flash back to those moments of the unknown where having the best stroller or sleeper or sound machine would somehow make me a better mom so what's the deal with the consumer compulsion that grips us mothers are we easy targets hormonal hapless and armed with a financial treasure trove better known as the baby registry how can we kick these insecurities to the curb and learn to trust our gut a bit more with regards to real needs versus wants or even worse influencer projections let's find out with me today is annie midori atherton a writer and mom based in Seattle, Washington. Her work focuses on parenting, culture, and any question that seeks to explain why we are the way that we are. You've probably stumbled across her work in Romper, The Every Mom, Business Insider, or The Atlantic. And if you haven't dialed into her stuff yet, you should. Annie, welcome to Free Mom. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. Now, I'd love to kind of start by talking a little bit about how consumerism has changed for parents and specifically mothers in recent years. I'd love your take.
1: Yeah. When I was looking into this issue, I realized that um, it is an increasingly stressful environment for parents because we just know so much because we have the Internet because it's infinite. Not only is there that temptation to Google anything and everything, but even when you're just scrolling social media, you're, you're passively consuming so much advice um, and so many ads and so many images of what other people have. And so while I don't think that like, new parent anxiety is anything new, especially for mothers, you know, when I've talked to my mom or other older women about their experiences, they just didn't know about as much. They weren't ex- as exposed. So maybe you went to like one or two department stores that were near you and you kind of got it over with or you had a shower and you got what you got. <laughs> um, you didn't even really have the temptation or the ability to spend so much time wringing your hands or getting lost in anxiety about your decisions.
0: Yeah, there was no such thing as all of these lists and reviews, and I guess your inner circle were was your own family who had babies, your close friends who had babies, and it was like, oh, did you like this or didn't you like this? Just everybody kind of went with the same thing because there just wasn't, A, there wasn't that many options, I guess. B, there wasn't that much accessibility and that stuff didn't just show up to your door. And C, there wasn't that constant kind of um, exposure to all this stuff that literally is in your your feed now 24 24- seven. And you just had mentioned anxiety. And in the article that you wrote, you talk about how anxiety inducing it can be for parents to kind of have the right stuff. Why does this kind of obsession with gear? how, How and why does it cause so much stress?
1: You know, I think honestly, it's just one part of the puzzle when it comes to new parent stress, because as much as I was very hyper fixated on getting the right gear for our child it was also worried about what to do and like how to take care of them and it all goes back to the fact that we just have so much information that I would just google anything and everything um in my mind so it was a big part of it but it's just one piece of the, the larger pie of new parent anxiety I think and a lot of that has to do with the fact that we have so little support I now live surrounded by extended family, but at the time that my child was born, we were pretty isolated in New York City. And like a lot of young families nowadays, you just aren't that plugged into a community or extended family as you used to be. So you're kind of on your own. And I think that that coupled with a childcare affordability crisis and just a a lack of a general feeling of being unsupported by society at large in your parenting journey is the greater context in which these anxieties fester and buying the right stuff is one of them. To answer your question more specifically as to why buying the right stuff was so stressful. I think it felt like I was really, I was honestly just afraid of having a kid (laughs) hearing like the stories of sleeping enough, the stories of postpartum depression, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and by that point, I've had a lot of time to just build up this, this prospect to a almost more daunting uh, extent. And so I just feared a lot that like, can I even do this? Can I handle it? And it felt like getting the right stuff was an extension of that question. Like if I got the wrong stuff, it was, am already starting off parenting as being like a subpar or like unfit parent or Even if I thought it was fine for our kid, would it contribute to me having an even harder time in those first few months and that first year and then make it even more difficult for me to, you know, quote unquote, survive that period uh, that I was just so freaked out about?
0: I think that your experience is, you know, resonates with so many people. This is the way, unfortunately, that and I think... I think maybe this rings true a little bit for women who are having babies a little bit later as well is that we've had so many life experiences and we've had a lot of time to really think and plan for this. But one thing that, you know, you you got me kind of thinking about a little bit as you were talking was could there be also a sense of so many things about pregnancy and having babies is out of our control. And I wonder if you, what your thoughts are about that maybe Getting the right stuff, buying the right things, enables us to control some aspect of pending motherhood and gives us a center centered feeling in that way. What do you think about that?
1: I think that is absolutely part of it. I think that's part of what drives people to consume in general, not just with baby stuff, but you know, it's it's just an easy thing to do. It's something that you can buy something. Buying something is often. A lot easier, quicker than making like major life changes or just accepting the extent to which you don't have control over circumstances, which feels like a lifelong <laughs> task. I'm <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, in theory, I'm like, maybe I should meditate more, but like, that feels like a bit like that would take a really long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't have time to do that because you're mom. <laughs> than, yeah, like,
1: I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna take me a long time to get more like spiritually grounded. In the meantime, let me just like fixate on getting something. Um, So I don't even think it's unique to parenting. I think that's something that's a reason that people consume period. Um, But with parenting, yeah, there is a huge release of control. And in a lot of ways, it's the biggest thing I've ever taken on that was out of my control from, you know, from the time you're trying to conceive and like, it might not work out. Your pregnancy might not be viable. You might not get pregnant at all, you might not be able to have a child, even from before the point of conception, you're already facing this prospect of lack of control. And I think it's definitely very overwhelming, maybe especially if you've waited a lot a longer time, and you've established a lot of at least the illusion of control in your work life or in your personal life, and you're kind of set in your routines and feel that you have a handle on your day to day.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think that it's particularly for women who are a bit older that it can be, like I said, just that that little bit more of a, a little bit of a, a safety net. One thing that I was also thinking about was why do you think parents, particularly new parents, are kind of so vulnerable to these clutches of consumerism? Because I think that it is, you know, from the other side of it, from the brand side of it, you know, are we an easy target?
1: Having been on the other side, I know that the messaging that brands use when they describe their products can be very powerful. So if you're saying that something is good for your baby's developing brain, that's immediately going to make me feel like if I don't get that, I am preventing my baby's brain from developing. Like, what? that's a <laughs> that's a terrible prospect. Um, and, it, it, you know, to be clear, like, I'm not even saying that any of these products are bad or that like maybe that's true maybe maybe a particular you know there I don't there's not the researchers that I spoke to said that there is not enough evidence to say one way or the other so maybe a particular game or toy helps the baby's brain but I certainly don't think not having it will damn them to you know a bad life or did did Einstein have these no (laughs) did many people have these like they're so new these things only came out a few years ago and people have been you know, creating things and achieving amazing feats for centuries. So, you know, I have to think, yeah, if, if they were so pertinent to the human brain, how have we come this far without them? Um, again, that's not to say that there's not value to that. It's just that there's a difference between good and need. But when you use words like that, this is important for their brain. It, I just think that that creates a lot of for me that can create a lot of anxiety around not getting it because it feels like you're depriving your child of something and you owe them everything because you brought them into this world.
0: One thing that I notice is that with regards to the marketing of these things, education is obviously huge because we see it and we automatically think, yes, we need to do that. Everything that you just said is 100% accurate. And it's like, well, are we not going to be doing the best by our babies if we don't buy into it? And then another thing that I noticed, which is really big, is anything with regards to babies' health. And not to, again, just like you said, not to bash any of these products at all. Um, but I think that there are certain things that we've never had such as um, little monitors that, that show you from when they're sleeping, you know, their heart rate and their breathing and all these different things. And so I wonder, specifically with some of those marketing tactics and, and drawing people in, um, you know, how much are some of these companies really kind of preying on our anxiety?
1: There was a time a few years ago where people were thinking that, that the monitors that attach to babies bodies and measure their vitals could help prevent SIDS. And that is not the case. They don't prevent SIDS. Um, You know, a doctor I talked to said that they actually can be counterproductive because they make parents kind of freak out um, thinking that they have these tools that are like almost medical, but they're they're not even they're not even medical grade. And so it's misleading in a way. Um, And at, you know, at minimum, it's just giving people a false sense of control again um and causing them to to fixate on things that they really don't need to be doing and would probably be better spent using that time to rest during this extremely exhausting time not just staring at their app with all the little vitals on it and such but yes everything was related to health and safety is terrifying so one thing that was really stressful to me in the first few months of my daughter's life was um whether or not there was any amount of like co-sleeping could be safe. Um, our baby just really, really preferred to be held. And it led me to go down a big rabbit hole of research about co-sleeping. And there is a lot of research showing that in like Japan, for instance, um, which has pretty high rates of bed sharing, uh, they actually have on average lower SID rates, SID rates than in the US. Um, so there's a, there are... On the one hand, many people worldwide believe that there are safe ways to bed chair because you can look up something called like the Safe, safe Sleep 7, um, which are things like not drinking or smoking, not having big pillows. And if you use these guidelines, your risks of exposing your child to things like SIDS are, as one article I read, I think it was an NPR put it, vanishingly small, you know, not zero, but extremely small, like lower than getting hit by lightning. Um, and th- I'm I'm not saying people should venture necessarily. To be clear, um, in a, in the U.S., the American Academy of Association of Pediatrics AAP um, says that it's not recommended in any form. So, all of that is to say, uh, you know, when you pan out to a historical or global perspective, there are many different approaches to raising a healthy baby um and we just have a very narrow view of what's okay and what's not okay in the US
0: i couldn't agree with you more this is a big part of um a lot of things that i do is is looking at things from a global perspective. And when you start to do that, it really changes your mind and a lot of things. But at the end of the day, every parent and every mother just has to do what they feel is best with their family. I am so glad that we are having this conversation, but we have to take a quick break. We will be right back with Annie Atherton right after this. Now, we know that our free moms are earth conscious, but what you may not know is that makeup alone uses 77 billion units of plastic every year. Izzy Zero Waste Beauty is changing that consumption with the world's first 100% recyclable and endlessly refillable cosmetics. Check it out and enjoy 20% off with code IzzyFF20. That's I-Z-Z-Y-F-F-20 at yourizzy.com. Free moms, we are back with journalist Annie Atherton, who recently wrote an article for The Atlantic about consumerism and motherhood and just how easy it is for brands to prey on moms who are already feeling well and truly confused. Now, Annie, for some mothers, not being able to buy all of the things makes them feel really guilty. For others, not having the stuff means that they're kind of not fitting in, I think. Either way, is there some real mental detriment that's going on here?
1: Um, yeah, I do. I do think that new parents are very vulnerable to guilt for any number of reasons. Um, you know, some parents feel guilty that they have to work at all. They feel guilty that they don't live in a bigger home for their child. Um, and sometimes that manifests in terms of them not having the right stuff. um, mm-hmm. And that just it makes me really sad because motherhood is so, so hard, especially new being a new mother, because there's a huge amount of pressure and expectation put on them in our culture to do everything for their children. And it's a little bit martyr. It can be a little martyrish almost. I think it's like the children always come first. They you should give them everything you possibly can, even if it's to the detriment of your own Savings or sanity. Um, I think we have, you know, that that's just how our culture is in a lot of ways. It's extremely catering to children um, in a way that I don't. I think it is definitely excessive, and I don't think children need it. I think they could be perfectly comfortable and happy without all this stuff. But um, in the meantime, a lot of people are feeling really pressured, um, and I do have to wonder if, to some extent, we we use products as a replacement for the types of support that traditionally would have been in place like the comfort of having more extended family present or having neighbors who just drop by and ask can i hold your baby for half an hour like in absence of these types of things that have um provided support to new mothers for millennia do we seek comfort in you know material products because we we don't have these other things, control things, I mean,
0: people. Yeah, that's such an interesting point, because we are parenting in a different way, especially post-COVID, but really, you know, the past, you know, 10 or 20 years, we're all living further away from family. We've kind of, most people have moved away from their hometowns. We're kind of now in this tiny nucleus of, you know, hopefully two partners, in many cases, just one. Um, And I think that you're right, that it's kind of this idea of, interaction in a way, especially with regards to once you start having older kids, if we start to buy things as kind of a supplement for some of the experiences that kids would have. Um, I think that for sure, a lot of the things that you had mentioned with regards to being detrimental for our mental health is spot on. The other thing I wanted to ask you is just these financial implications, because to me, you know, I don't know about you, but everything now costs $100 or $1,000 with regards to ch- with babies. Blacks that are, like you had said earlier, you know, ben- beneficial for baby brains, growing baby brains are now $100. Um, you can't get a stroller, it doesn't seem, without spending $1,000. And that kind of se- seems insane to me. Um, what do you think about new parents who have enough t- to worry about and now they're starting to figure out how to, you know, pay for all of this gear?
1: The best advice I can give new parents is to have no shame in using used stuff. Uh, We were able to find such great stuff on like buy nothing Facebook groups, which exist in most all, all major cities, a lot of communities, Um, parent groups on, again, um, it's like the only thing I use Facebook for is groups now, but they're so, so good for getting used stuff. Also, of course, consignment stores. We used a website called goodbye gear. Um, to buy a heavily reduced stroller. Um, I just think there's, yeah, there's no, no shame in having used things. I had like a comical spat with my husband about getting this free crib, um, from a a person in our neighborhood, and then he had like Googled things that you shouldn't get used, and like crib, a crib was on it because of safety. Like this one article was saying, like you shouldn't get a used crib because, like, what if it's been it's too worn down or whatnot, but th- this crew was like a year old, only one family had used it. <laughs> so it, we continued to, we just kept it and like waffled about this for months thinking like, should we get, replace it? We should, whatever. Anyway, we ended up keeping it. It was fine. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's certain things like a car seat. You're going to want to be really careful about um, not go too old. You know, th- there's, you can look into, you can look up guidelines around buying you stuff because th- there is some safety considerations overall i think it's just such a great resource and there's there's so much free stuff out there or or heavily reduced
0: absolutely and i mean i even look at my stuff and in retrospect and that's all you can do my children are are almost four and almost two now. Um, and I think about like, you know, I'm about to get rid of a second crib pretty soon that two, two children have been through and it's brand new. Like it's literally looks like it's brand new. And I think that when you start, the unknown is what creates so much fear. But at the end of it all, this stuff can be crippling. And I think that because your babies are so tiny, obviously in the beginning, you can't imagine them grown. And then all of a sudden, not that two years old is grown, but all of a sudden this gear... The shelf life is, it, within your family is so short, like you use something for such a short period of time. And then, like I said, as I was thinking about this interview in our chat today, I started laughing to myself about the things that I tortured myself over that effectively were used for, you know, a few months, a bassinet. Things like that that you worry so much about that doesn't actually live in your home and with your child for very long, um, and yet we we torture ourselves um, unnecessarily. I think. Now, did you happen to find any data or research at all to find that any of this newfangled stuff actually benefits babies and kids? So,
1: no, not. I mean, short answer, not really. The U.S. has pretty strict standards for for safety. Um, to be fair, you know, things get recalled every now and then. Obviously, like there was a, a lot of people know about like the rock and play sleeper got re- recalled. Um, so you, you have to watch the news if you're getting used. That is another consideration with you stuff um, that you're not getting something that had had been previously recalled. But um, that information is pretty easy to find and widely available. And at the risk of sounding flip, um, those types of incidences are still very 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 small in the scheme of history and and globally you know when you're getting products in in the u.s in particular and you're using them properly because that's the other huge part of this most of these products have always been fine when people kind of use them improperly or not as they were intended if you're using products as they were intended the you have an extremely small risk of going wrong um from that perspective and you know i'm Thankful to our consumer protection systems for that. That's not true in every country. It is true here. Um, I think in terms of whether or not a particular bassinet, like this new, for instance, could help people get a little more sleep. There's, I think it's possible. (laughs) There's a very, there was a very small study um, suggesting that rocking, like a mechanical rocker or, parent rocking helps them better than like not rocking at all. There's really not a lot of robust evidence, but I mean, I I do, I won't say it's not possible. um, If you're very concerned with your own ability to get more sleep, I think your baby will be fine either way. According to the researchers I talked to, there's really, that's really it in terms of evidence so far.
0: I don't know about you, but I love having these conversations with my mom because it like my my mother for me provides such a great reality check often because she'll say you know we'll talk about something and she'll say I don't know I just stuck you in a queen bed and hope for the best like there was just no you know everything we always still laugh about car seats and she's like I don't know you were just like sat in the middle of the bench seat of like the 70s Cadillac and I don't know if you had a seatbelt or not and you were okay like look what happened to you I love having conversations with the generation before us about these types of things because I think it really provides us with with what we need in terms of just that little bit of um, you know these things didn't always exist they're like you said very very, very new. These things are five and 10 years old. But because of our exposure to them, it really feels like we can't live without them, or at very least, that's what marketers want us to believe. I mean, you spoke to a lot of experts in this space. And um, what I was wondering is, is you know, what are some of the ways that you found that people can kind of combat the bombardment of consumerism and make healthy, smart decisions for their families?
1: I think you make a really good point about talking to your mom. And I think that could be extended to people outside of one's family, like talking to older generations or talking to people from other countries or, or reading about their perspectives, I think can be really helpful. Just expanding your perspective. If, if your scope of reference is a, is a small group of Friends who are all very type A and affluent, or maybe not even, but are spending me on their means, or if your scope of reference is like social media influencers, it's probably pretty narrow in the scheme of things. So I just think anything you can do to expand your perspective um, is is going to be really helpful.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, parents just have a lot to worry about. At the end of the day, buying a lot of expensive gear just doesn't seem like it should occupy so much of our mental energy. Um, so I appreciate that, Annie, and it's been so great having you on the show today. I feel like this conversation has reminded all of us that parenting is hard and sometimes all the stuff that's supposed to make it easier actually doesn't help at all. I love the articles you're writing. I feel like they are often the reality check that we all need. Thanks so much again. I have had a blast with you, Annie. Thanks so much. That's our show for today, mamas. If you have an episode idea, a question, or you want to send feedback, please shoot a note through to the website at freemomcast.com or via Instagram at freemomcast. Until next week, it's me, Chelsea, reminding you to think out loud and keep being curious.